All right, welcome everybody to the first edition of Big Talkers Videocast. Uh, I am Mark Grover. With me is Gwen Shapira, Ted Malaska, and Jonathan Seidman. All right, today we are going to talk about big data anti-patterns. So the idea is to talk about one thing that we see very commonly on customer clusters that have big data problems that we would like them not to do. And we would start with Ted Malaska. Oh, great. I get to be first. Um... So my pet peeve is small files, right? So everybody's heard this, small files on Hadoop. But the thing that gets me, right, is people come in and they either have jobs that create like hundreds of thousands of files, or they double or triple partition their hive tables. And again, you have hundreds of thousands of small files. And it's not like they're taking down the name node or anything. It's not like that. But it's just when they run MapReduce jobs on that, then you know, they're using the default input formats and stuff. And this is like 100,000 mappers, right? So it takes, you know, many, many times as long as it should. And it takes every single map slot, so other people complain, why can't I run anything yeah. when this is running? And the thing that frustrates me is it's like needless pain. Like, there's no reason why they should be going through this. They're shooting themselves in the foot. But thankfully, after they do this a couple of times and you show them, you know, compress your data well, keep it in relatively good size. It goes away relatively fast, but most of my customers go through this. Okay, Gwen. I think the thing that gets me is that there's all those different technologies that are part of Hadoop, and someone gets a, like CDH, and lots of those technologies are built in part of CDH, so they get all of them at once, and it's like kids on Christmas morning just trying all those toys, so they do some things with cascading, and then some stuff in Impala, and yeah, some stuff yeah. in Spark, and they, they don't end up with an architecture, they end up with quite a, a decent spaghetti mess. And by the time they finish playing, and they played with every single toy, it's been two months later, the management is under pressure to go production to so, show some result. So they basically take all those different little POCs they took, and they push it on production. And then everyone has this impression that hey, using Hadoop takes forever because it took them forever to get the first release to production because yeah. all those different toys. And that Hadoop is really complicated because they went through this huge process to actually get it. Which is like if they would just say, here is the target and let's start with one tool that will get us there. Yeah. It's like, it would be easy. <laughs> well, yeah. it, it's, it's a two-sided coin because the people who adopt Hadoop, right, the early adopters. Yeah. The early adopters are people who want to tinker. Yes. Right? Yeah. So it's the people who are... Yeah. So, I mean... I guess they kind of want people to show some self-control. You know, be, a, be an adult. Yeah. You, you, you like tinkering, but, but there's also a business goal, so... Yeah, and I agree. And I think we're going to definitely get there. But when... As our first adopters are these tinkerers, and to tell them, hey, you're going to do this brand new amazing thing... You're just going to use SQL like you've done for the last decade. Yeah. yeah okay, no, okay. Use Spark. That's fine. But don't use every single Spark every thing single. out there, right? <laughs> but even, actually, that kind of brings me to my anti-pattern that I was going to talk about and has a lot of overlap with Gwen's because I feel like in the ecosystem today, there are 15 different things that people can use to process data, right? You can go all the way from, from MapReduce, Spark, to Hive, Impala, Cascading, Crunch, right? But I... Even when we talk about like our clickstream example, we tell people we do do duplication in pig and we do sessionization in MapReduce 
and then we do Impala for BI, and maybe we'll do filtering in Hive, right? Yes. Yeah, so well, we are really like. I guess we underestimate the cost of setting up the software and having like a pick client running on every node or a Hive server. We and someone has to debug it. Right. And so I think what the biggest anti-pattern is, what we are getting to, at least in my opinion, is yes, you can do all these things very easily in a particular piece of technology, but what you don't really realize the operational overhead of introducing a new technology, right? Yeah. So you should probably stick to something that's broad enough to gather all your needs and maybe has abstractions that allow you to do things that you want to do easily. Yeah. And so many engineers have just zero operational experience. They don't right. understand what it is involved Well, it's a different in. discipline, too. Yeah, it's, it's a different discipline. Engineers are about building stuff and then moving on to the next thing. But I, Project I like managers to, are more like... I like to be... I pride myself. I'm an engineer now. I have operational experience. Yeah. And I really... Enjoy being able to yeah. say, okay, I'm building this thing, but how will we monitor this thing? Weren't how you? will we deploy this thing? Yeah. You were an ops person before your I was a DBA for oh, 15 yeah. years. Oh, so that, that counts. So what, what would be the answer then? Just telling everyone, hey, use SQL for like 80-90% of everything because that works and it's probably the fastest there is. And then only use one other tool. Like, just use Spark. I'd say if you want to use something cool, don't use SQL. You know, a lot of everyone likes SQL. Some people really like Java. Some people really like Python. I mean, not. I, I worked with a lot of people who can't stand SQL as much as I'm kind of attached to it. So I don't. I wouldn't force someone to use SQL if he hates it. Yeah, I I would agree with Gwen. SQL has no debuggers. Yeah. I would personally go for. Like, if it's a very generic recommendation, mine would be to stick around to an execution engine that's pretty broad, and that being Spark, I think we would all agree. Uh, and then bring um, sort of special purpose engines, and this is in line with the blog post that I wrote on Radar recently, bring special pur purpose engines to do the particular thing. So if you do need faster SQL, bring Impala, but I think you should start small, probably just with Spark, and then add things onto your stack yeah, one at a time. I get that, but yeah. writing, like, the majority of what people do is literally join dimensional tables and stuff like that. Well, you, doing that in Spark... Not if you're doing fraud right? detection, right? If you're doing data warehousing, oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? But I'm just saying, the mundane stuff, yeah. that mundane stuff should be... But I kind yeah. of hate the fact that everyone is talking about which tool to use when they should be focusing more on what problem am I solving? And what, where is this POC going to end? And what will get me there in the way I want to get there? In a way that's scalable, in a way that I can yeah. extend, yeah. that I will enjoy supporting. And, and to be fair, I find that clients that are very successful have that mindset. But so, and this, and this goes back to our conversation yesterday where we were talking about being more prescriptive about what teams use, which is in somewhat in conflict with what you just said, I think. You know, if, you know, on the one hand, you want to, to standardize, you want to set processes around development teams and you want to make sure that there's consistency. At the same time, if you're also saying use the best tool for the job, those two statements seem I'm, to be something. I'm not actually common. saying use the best tool for the job. I'm saying focus on the job. I'm saying this whole, I mean, I could talk with you VI versus Emacs until the cows come home, but we want to stop. <laughs> we want to stop doing that, right? I mean, yeah, VI, yeah, definitely VI. Yeah. No, obviously VI. <laughs> but that's not the right conversation to have. We want to discuss the topics in the blog post, not the. We're have conversation. Well, yeah. So here's my other question. So, so Ted, you talk about use SQL, which makes a lot of sense, 
But that also assumes that your data has been put into a structure that's successful. Oh, I'm just saying for like, what I see is I think that's like 80%. I agree with you. There's an unstructured point, but almost all organizations immediately go from non-structured to structured. Did you ever actually see unstructured data? Just out of curiosity? Uh, like, what mm-hmm. would you actually call unstructured no, I, I, data? I don't like, so semi-structured, I think, is the best. So to the point of semi-structured data, I think it's... So I will admit that I have not worked directly on a use case which involves semi-structured data. Sure. Well, Web data. Semi-structured. You just demoed it across the whole <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's interesting because then our definition of semi-structured is what you're to. To me, when I deal with, if you notice, like in our tutorial, we had a hive schema on our logs and sure, you may have a JSON blob in a string and yeah, yeah, someone could argue that's semi-structured. I really don't think it's semi-structured. It is semi-structured because it's field delimited. There there are fields, but within those fields, you can have more complex structures. Yes. So so nested data structures are semi-structured? Is that all there is to it? Because Oracle does semi-structured data just fine. Right, that's a a very good point. I think he's saying something. In in log data, you can have very complex fields. So so within, say, a a query string, you can have... have, Pipe delimited within, common delimited within. It can be random stuff, right? Yeah. And the meaning, the, the, I think the other big thing is the meaning of that extra data is could be up in the air, right? So like I was, we were talking earlier about scraping the Spark logs to get the inputs and outputs, right? If I look through all the logs, that column that has the data that I'm looking for, there's only a couple rows that actually have input and output. The oh. other ones are saying different things. Got it. So really? you're... Got so it, yeah. I know how to find it, and then I know how to put it into structure. But, but if not I'm, all the data is structured, and definitely not yeah, the same Yeah, and maybe way. a lot of it is throwaway. Maybe some of it's nested. Some of it means this. Some of it means that. But it's yeah. not without any structure, right? Um, and even totally unstructured data, which I think is like uh, text, like um, when, yeah, like yeah. voice recording to text or something like that. Right. Even that has some structure, but I, I think we call that as unstructured. Um, right, I would call that unstructured. Yeah, yeah, because in that case, a lot of the structure is actually metadata, right? If you have a voice recording, a lot of the structure. Yeah, but I mean, would be the, the way English how... structure, I don't uh, think counts as structure. No, it probably doesn't. Okay. Yeah. So I think we've gone through a lot of things. How about we go around the room one more time? Well, what's his pet name? It's an anti pattern. Yeah, anti pattern. Yeah. So I don't, uh, it's not an anti pattern, but my favorite thing is including log output. In your in your jobs, because any developer who hasn't brought down their production cluster by including you know you know you laugh that is the first thing I look for when I go to a client when they're like a job is running slow it's the very first thing I look for what are you so logging you are not you running a new much? job yeah. until you brought your cluster down so, so what, what, what they, they do is like log level what they do is like on a MapReduce job and yeah. every map function they have a log for J that's running out. <laughs> the values to the log. And if you do it on every map, it will be insane. Yeah, and I've seen that in Spark, and I've seen that, I mean, that's like the very first thing I look for. Okay, that's interesting. Oh yeah. I'm wondering why we don't just improve the framework to just (laughs) set a single flag, override log4j with something that will not log. So the answer, (laughs) what I tell people to do is so simple. I say make a log that starts at zero, and around your log4j's, just say, if 
this value plus plus is less than a, a thousand, then output this. So what it does then is it outputs a thousand rows of your log per j. Wait, and then stops. Oh, that's a great pattern. I like that. In the, the, the MapReduce. And what? So what benefit so does thousand get here? You get a thousand records of logs. So log when you test it, it on your local machine, you get all the logs and everything looks perfect. And then the same code, you don't have to comment out or change anything. You put it in production, and it only logs the first thousand, which is not yeah, really in production. Yeah, and if something happens bad tomorrow yeah. that you yeah. didn't anticipate, you have a thousand records. And normally, and normally, um, if the pattern is throughout the entire data set, you'll, yeah. you'll be able to see it. Now, if it's one record out of a billion, you're screwed, right? There's not yeah. much you yeah, can do Yeah, but you can, you can also do, like with the multiple output format, you can usually have an output for the bad records, that kind of thing. Yes, but I mean, yeah. how simple is that? Yeah, no, it's, all, it's awesome. I love yeah. it. Yeah. It's a great, great pattern. Cool. So that, you're kind of cheating. You're supposed to share anti-patterns, but yeah, yeah that's a good one. Well, it no, seems no, no, like no, I've never got up that that happens all the time. Since high school. It does happen all the time. <laughs> Yeah, and cheating is just a creative way of learning. <laughs> We're all pro-cheating. Do you want to wrap something up? All right, yeah. So we've talked about a bunch of things. I think it would be good to go around the room one more time and quickly summarize the most common anti-pattern that you believe should get out of the industry. Uh, we'll start with you, Ted. So just recap what we said? Sure. So yeah. mine's, really mine comes down to file management. You know, compress your files and seriously try to keep your files at least to the block sizes, uh, and you'll be fine. Figure out your favorite technology, become an expert, don't sample out everything. Okay, Jonathan? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with, with Ted and Gwen, because okay. I can't top that. Okay, great. And mine would be uh, to use operational insight into deciding what technologies you use, not just ease of development. Um, We'll drink to that. Yeah, all right. With that, thank you, everybody. We hope to see you again.